Greetings, everyone. I'm Reverend Liz Testa, and this is Lavish Hope, stories of resilience and overcoming. I'm so excited for you to hear this latest episode with my good friend, colleague, and brother in ministry, Dr. Rob Dixon, author of the newly released book, Together in Ministry, Women and Men in Flourishing Partnerships. When I first heard Rob's presentation at a Christians for Biblical Equality conference a few years back, he had a newly minted doctorate on the topic, and the Me Too movement was turning tables in the public square. Our ministry, Women's Transformation and Leadership, knew we needed a godly, gracious response to not only help call the church to stand against harassment, abuse, and sexual violence, but also to offer resources for creating healthy ministry environments where everyone's gifts and callings could be welcomed and given a chance to thrive. Rob's model for flourishing partnerships between men and women was exactly what we had been praying for. In early 2018, we launched our We Are Speaking statement, and soon thereafter, our Building God's Church Together Bible study learning process that Rob has been an integral part of and continues to be was also launched. Now we are thrilled to celebrate the publishing of his book on the topic, Together in Ministry, Women and Men in Flourishing Partnerships. It's a tremendous gift to the church and to society as a whole. From his InterVarsity College campus office in Fresno, California, Rob joins me to share his journey through the lens of lavish hope, resilience, and overcoming. Hear how he learned to overcome the I suck mode we can all suffer from gain confidence in his calling, and create a prophetic roadmap that calls the church to be different and gives practical, biblically grounded directions on how to get there. Let's jump in. Here we are on the Lavish Hope podcast with my good friend and a wonderful partner in ministry, Dr. Rob Dixon, tuning in, uh, piping in via Zoom right now uh, across the country, across the United States. I'm over here in the New York City area, and you're there in Fresno, California. Welcome, Rob. Yeah, thanks. It's so great to be on. Thank you for thanks for having me. So, Rob, you've got some exciting stuff that's happening in your life right now, and um, your ministry calling. And uh, so, so delighted to um, to have this conversation with you. So let's jump right in. Sure. Um, what does resilience mean to you? Yeah, I was thinking about this. It's a, it's a question that I don't think you think about unless someone specifically asks you, how would you define resilience? What does it mean? So for me, I think resilience is acknowledging the difficulty or the the pain or the dissonance. So being real with that, not like minimizing it or denying it or pretending it doesn't exist. So really entering in and then slowly but surely uh, moving ahead and uh, moving forward with, with all the support that you would need. Um, so I think in the global scheme of things, Liz, I don't, for me, um, I don't feel like I have a ton of, uh, I haven't had like a difficult life, like in the, in the big picture, right. I have a lot of privilege and, and, and power, but that, that doesn't mean that I haven't had moments where I've had to sort of face the dissonance and face the difficulty and acknowledge that and then move forward. So 
so yeah, resilience is something that I appreciate a lot in when I have it in my own life, but when I see it in others as well. Yeah. And so how has it been shaped by your past and maybe been changed or deepened by your experiences? Yeah. I mean, I think um, to me, resilience is like a, like a muscle that you, you flex. And, And I think if you, as you press into more and more resilience, as you face the reality, acknowledge it, and then, and then move ahead anyway, you get better at that over time. And so I could, I'm, I've been in ministry for 25 years. And as you know, ministry is a joy. It's wonderful. And there are some moments, if we're honest, that are challenging. And so I've had my share of those, whether it's conflict with someone or disappointment or just a huge failure in terms of like I gave a, a talk or did a project and it didn't work out. And what does it mean in those moments to say, wow, that's really hard and I'm going to be resilient in the face of that. So, so yeah, I think over time, the more I've done that, uh, the, the more easy it has become in, in subsequent times. So can you share with us maybe some examples of that? Well, sure. I'll share, I'll share for me was one of the most significant struggles of my ministry experience. So when I started, with InterVarsity Christian Fellowships, so that's college ministry, and I spent 25 years with InterVarsity. When I started, I had a chronic case of self-doubt. So um, I just had, no matter what I did in ministry, I would finish and just assume the worst. Um, even if there was a ton of evidence to the contrary, and over time I developed a name for this condition, I called it I suck mode, <laughs> ISM. And so uh, I'll give you an example. So I led worship for, I don't know, seven or eight years, once upon a time. And we could have this amazing worship experience. I'm I'm playing guitar, leading the band. I'm looking up. I'm seeing hands raised and people clearly in the presence of God. The band was tight that night. Everything worked great. And I would go sit down at the end. And my first uh, thought would be, how it could have been better, or that was terrible when I did that one thing, I missed the key change, or I should have said this, why didn't I say that? Um, And and it just was, it would rack me, and I would just sit with that and sit in that place. And so um, I I think for me, that was just sort of staring at the dark night of the soul. It sounds melodramatic maybe, but, but often that was just my experience. And so I would have to work through that. And over time, uh, through enough effort at crying out to the Lord, asking for help from others, um, finding the right perspective in scripture, a community that came around me, and just time, I think, I learned to overcome. I, I suck mode and, and move through that. I still have occasions where I find myself in that place, but I thank God for the journey uh, of healing there. Yeah, I so appreciate that. You know, um, Another version of that is this kind of imposter syndrome that mm-hmm. we hear a lot. Uh, late, uh, you know, lately it's been really something that they've been, you know, you've you've heard a lot, especially in circles. You know, a lot of the work that I do is with women, mm-hmm. and it's this concept of just, you yep. know, you're an imposter. So how do we yep. override that? So I really appreciate that. Um, yep. So where where do you find resilience, Rob, when you don't have it? Like where where do you find it? Yeah. Well, I think for one thing, um, and this is going to sound a little Sunday school here, Liz, but I think for me, uh, I just, can I center myself in Jesus? 
right? I mean, the reality is Jesus is wild about me and it's not about what I can produce or how well I do with a given ministry assignment. It's not about any of that. It's about who I am and the fact that I'm a child of God. And, and so if I can find myself um, back to that place where I can receive that, um, I, I'll paraphrase the, uh, the baptism from the beginning of the book of Mark. It's, you know, God looks down at Jesus before Jesus has done anything and says, uh, you know, well done, my, you know, or what does it say? Uh, oh, you are my beloved son and you, I am well pleased. And I think, boy, can I imagine God looking at me in that same way? And if I can, then, then I'm able to find the resilience that I don't feel like I have. Maybe another thought would be um, community. I, I'm blessed to be around folks that are <laughs> that are Rob Dixon fans, and mm-hmm. you'd be one of them. And that's that's important when you don't feel like you have the energy to rally and be resilient. Um, I think others can step in and help with that, right? And then maybe one more thought on this is, um, like I mentioned earlier, I feel like over time you develop a muscle, the muscle of resilience, and I think I'm at a place now where I can look back. I can dig deep and look back at my own journey and remember moments where I didn't feel like I had resilience, but I got through it anyway. And if I have enough of those stories kind of in my memory banks, it it can help me get through whatever it is that's in front of me right now. So a couple of thoughts. That's really great, Rob. Thanks for that. Um, So I'm just thinking about this wonderful project that you have right now. Yeah. Um, you know, as we're recording this uh, interview, you have just had the launch of your book, Together mm-hmm. in Ministry. And, um, you know, that's really uh, the beginning of your of your work as you were completing your doctorate on the topic yeah. is where our paths intersected. And so I just think about, um, you know, when I'm thinking about lavish hope, resilience and overcoming I imagine there must have been something there that had to happen for you in that world of resilience and overcoming as you were starting to embark on this journey. Yeah. Well, first of all, that when our paths cross, I remember that as such a holy moment, um, you know, where like you felt like you and the RCA felt like, boy, there's something to be learned here. And I felt like I hope there's something to be learned here. And those two things uh, matched up and uh, it's just been wonderful. So I'm super grateful for that, that moment. Yeah. I think there's a lot of resilience um, built into this process for me of, of doctoral study, writing a book, and then kind of some of the training I'm doing or the, the consulting I'm doing with other organizations and churches. And um, I think for one thing, I mean, I'll just say writing a book is a challenge. It is difficult to write a book. Um, there are moments where you feel like uh, the words just aren't coming. There's no inspiration. There are moments, uh, you mentioned imposter syndrome earlier. I felt that many times in the process of writing, like, who am I to be writing this? <laughs> Shouldn't somebody else be writing this book? Wouldn't it be better if someone else was? And I think in those moments, kind of what we've been talking about, about digging deep or finding yourself in Jesus or finding community to support you, that all becomes really important, I think. Um, I mean, the other piece of it, Liz, would be to go and do training uh, with a fly across the country, do training with a group of people. I don't know. That's challenging. Um, And there's often moments where there's pushback. It's gentle often, but there's pushback or disagreement and 
I think in those moments for me to, to be confident in what the Lord has called me to and uh, to be resilient in the face of some questions, I guess, that are difficult sometimes. So yeah, lots of resilience in and around this process of book, book writing and launching. Amazing. I love that idea of the confidence in your calling. Mm-hmm. Because I think that is so key for us, right? As we're, as we're seeking to live into what it is that God's calling us to do, we just have to have that confidence. So where's a place that you find hope? Yeah, well, I mean, for one thing, the Bible gives me hope. Again, this may sound a little Sunday school, but but I mean, for me, I, I desperately, and I'll use that word, I desperately want to see the church become a place that empowers women and where women and men can thrive together on equal footing. Um, but that's a tough task, as you know, as we know. And so uh, the Bible gives me hope because when I read like Genesis chapter one and I see God's plan, vision for shared partnership, or when I go to Galatians three and I see how Paul reaffirms um, that there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, all are one in Christ Jesus. When I go to those places, my hope uh, for the church is rekindled. Um, Another one would be uh, stories. Uh, I know I'm speaking your language here. You love stories too. For me, stories give me hope. I mean, if you tell me a story that embodies the thing I long to see, I'm all in. My hope for that thing increases, right? So I think um, one of the things I'm trying to do as I make the rounds and help uh, churches and organizations think about men and women in partnership is I'm trying to tell good stories that demonstrate that. I mean, I think that we need more storytellers in the church. And so um, that's one way to do that too. And then, like I've been saying, I feel like the community gives me hope. It's just a, a hopeful thing to know in my weaker moments that there are like-hearted and like-minded people um, that are on the road with me, that I'm not alone, that um, that we're all together working this thing out. And that's, that's huge, I think. Um, we need... We need people in our lives, right? And so I think one of my one of my great joys of the last couple of years has been finding myself into a community of people that can invest and in, along with me in this work of helping men and women work together more effectively. So yeah. Awesome. Thoughts? I mm-hmm. love it. So you're talking about the Bible. So my next question is about mm-hmm. favorite verses or even quotes that inspire you to embrace hope and be resilient. Yeah, this is a tough one. There's a, I think there's a lot of different mm-hmm. options, but I'll give you the one that I think I come back to most often and have really even since all the way back in the the prime I suck mode era. Mm-hmm. So uh, a passage that's always been huge for me is um, in Colossians chapter one. So Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, and there's a section right toward the end of chapter one where he's describing Jesus. And um, folks can go check it out, read it. You'll find it. It's like five verses, I think. And it is this amazingly powerful picture of Jesus, like the cosmic Jesus, the transcendent Jesus. And um, that's just always been a, a kind of a life verse for me. And I think it's because that verse, those those verses help me locate myself, um, if that makes sense. So according to the text, Jesus, it says in there, Jesus is the one that holds all things together. Um, I forget which exact verse it is, but holds all things together. And it's important for me to remember that that's Jesus that does that, not me. Not even you, Liz. 
<laughs> not even you hold all things together. Definitely right? not me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Jesus is the one that holds all things together. And when I get overwhelmed, when I get discouraged, when um, things are difficult, when I'm in I suck mode, I need to be reminded of that, that ultimately God is the one in control, not me. My job is to be faithful. So I think that's that's been a key passage for me, just to to find my, to locate myself and remind myself that God's the one that's in control. For someone like me, who's a bit of a control freak, full confessions here on your podcast, a bit of a control freak, um, that verse has just been super, super helpful to give perspective. Yeah, that's really good. I think that's good for, for all of us, right? Because you, mm-hmm. we can so easily feel like it's all on us. Even if we're trying yep. to stay humble about it, we can still feel like yep. it's all on us. So it it's is true. Really, it's really helpful. That's a good word. Mm-hmm. So how are you cultivating hope today? Well, yeah, today I am boldly <laughs> and and uh, vigorously launching my book into the world. So you <laughs> mentioned that earlier. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, the writing process, well, the, the whole process, right, from proposal to writing, and now to promoting, there's been highs and, and some lows and all of that. But um, I, I'm so grateful to be able to, and I. This is how I view it: to gift this book to the church, mm-hmm. and I see it as, and this is a phrase I use in the book, but it's a prophetic roadmap. So, in my view, this book is meant to a call the church to be different. So, call the church to be more aligned with the Genesis one vision for partnership or the Galatians three vision for partnership that I mentioned earlier. So it is, it is prophetic in that way. I view it as prophetic in that way to call the church to be different, but it's not just that it's a, it's also a roadmap and a list of directions to help the church get from point A to point B, right? It's um, full of practical stuff and ideas and things that communities and individuals can do to build more flourishing partnerships between women and men in their context. So, so that's how I'm cultivating hope is I am courageously, I hope launching uh, this book out into the world. It's so great, Rob. And as somebody, you know, um, our ministry, our ministry, women's transformation and leadership mm-hmm. has been literally in partnership with you uh, right from the very, you know, mm-hmm. time that we sat in your workshop at, at the, um, Christians for Biblical Equality International's Orlando uh, conference a few years ago, and we were looking for a process that would help us do exactly what you're talking about. And when we heard you presenting at the front of the room and we got your piece of paper with your famous Venn diagram uh, for this flourishing model for, for women and men to work together, we were like, this is it. And it was, it was really super exciting for us. So when you're talking about cultivating hope, like I experienced that, right. The hope that I felt when I saw what you were doing. So God has really had you on um, a pretty incredible mission that I think we're just starting to get a taste of uh, as this book is launched. So, so excited about that. So um, can you just tell us a little bit about like, where did the idea come from for the book? Like, how did you first really know that this is what you were supposed to be working on? Because besides, just, I mean, you've, you've already mentioned it, but just for our listeners, just to say that this book and this whole project, right, started be, oh, long ago, but yeah. it, it was a whole doctoral uh, topic. So that yeah. is, re- I mean, it really is robust, right? Yeah. 
Like, yeah, how did so, you know that that's what God was calling you to? <laughs> Sometimes I ask myself that same question. <laughs> um, like at one point, you probably remember this. You, uh, I flew to do a training with you in Iowa mm-hmm. in in like February. I remember and I got off the plane. I got in the rental car. I drove to the church where we were meeting. And I got out of the car and you looked at me and you said, why did you bring a windbreaker? It's cold out. Do you remember that? It was like yeah. you all evaluated me for having a coat that was way too weak, a Californian with a bad winter coat. And I, that, so, so, so times like that, I think like, how did I get here? Like it's a, it's a, where I'm flying across the country to present upon this stuff to a group of people I don't know. So anyway, um, the, the story Liz is a long one, but I, I think a couple of markers I'll share. One is I grew up in a church context where women could, could be up front. It was not uncommon for women and men to share leadership on a Sunday. Um, and so that was part of kind of my experience growing up. And I think that's important, right? I was open to all of this. It was, it was normal for me to see women and men working together. And then on top of that, in my family, um, the, I don't mean to say that the men in my family are spiritual slouches, but the women <laughs> in my family um, provide a, have always provided a lot of spiritual horsepower. So um, some, some saintly grandmothers who uh, were prayer warriors and all of that. So that was my experience growing up. And then when I got to college, I found myself in InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And InterVarsity has a long history of women and men working together. It hasn't always been perfect. It's not perfect today, but it's at least been something that's on the table and a part of our Mm -hmm. culture as an organization. Mm -hmm. And so the first ever Bible study I got involved in as a freshman in the dorms was led by a a male and female student working together. And that was just normal. That's just what we did. And fast forward some 30 years with InterVarsity, and I've experienced that, right? I've been supervised by women. I've supervised women, lots of women as peers. And that's just part of my experience. And in the book, I tell some stories (laughs) where it's been kind of moments of challenge around that for me. And so um, I don't mean to say it's been like easy and perfect the whole way, but, but that has been a huge thing for me to experience this and to see it lived out. And I know how good it is when women and men work together well. And so it's just always intrigued me. And then the last stop on my journey I'll share is, yeah, to enter into Fuller Theological Seminary and the doctoral program there in inter- intercultural studies and spend four wonderful years just thinking about this and under the guidance of some amazing mentor professors, reading a bunch of stuff, doing a bunch of interviews. And all of that became raw material out of which Together in Ministry has been formed. So for me, I I like to say that I'm kind of marrying this conceptual academic work with just a lot of practitioner experience. And so hopefully that comes out when folks read Together in Ministry. Well, you know, Rob, that's one of the things that I just so appreciate about you is because you've come... Sometimes with a windbreaker, yes. sometimes not. Um, and I, I mean, wasn't wearing flip flops. At least well, I didn't have flip flops on. There is that. And 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 just in in full transparency with all of our listeners here, whoever decided February was a good time to go to Iowa, yes. <laughs> shame on us. Yes. So that yes. we started we started we started with that. Um, mm-hmm. Which like what were we doing that for? But anyway. Um, I think the the piece for me that's so exciting is that you bring this um, you bring this in 
not just you have it so well researched. There's so much like you can feel the theological weightiness. You can feel the you know like the the imperative right that comes from researching and from knowing your stuff. And then you do it, you share it in such an accessible, practical way. And I do think, you know, that's that engaged pedagogy, they call it, that's praxis learning. It's where the theory and the practice meet, there's the praxis. And that is absolutely what the church needs um, in order to be able to actually wrap its head around what are we, yeah. what is God calling us to do? Because you can know it in theory. I know I, I I work with so many male pastors who they're like, we're pro-women. We want yeah. we want it. We believe it. But they just don't know how to, you know, yeah. how to practically live it, live into it. And you need that. So mm-hmm. um, so I'm wondering, you, you, you've, you've t- you gave us the three markers, but what actually made you focus in on this topic as your doctoral work? That I'm really... Yeah interested in like what brought you to that did you know it going in you said it was interdisciplinary yeah so well intercultural studies so you you actually have to you have to bring a program uh, a problem quote unquote a problem into the program to study so so yes I brought this in I think for me the reality is what you just said Liz which is that I've been working alongside women my whole staff career but no one had ever trained me on how to do that Right. So we figured it out as we went along and that was great, but no one had ever sat down and said, Hey, let's talk about the dynamics here. Let me walk you through some ideas for how your partnership can be more effective. I was all just sort of learning by doing. And again, that's a great way to learn, but, but it, it just raised the question for me, can we develop a system or a process or a program that we could then train people on to build more effective partnerships? Um, and I think this is my, I'm on my soapbox a little bit. I think if we can give a little bit more intentionality to the process of working together as women and men, we're going to see a return on that. Our mission will expand. It will, it will help the bottom line of our work. And so um, that's the motivator for me is, is uh, can we, can we expand our mission? Can we do better ministry? I think we can, if we learn how to work together more effectively as women and men. So that's where that comes in. It's trying to make it be intentional about that and to offer a training model. And so that's what folks would get in the book. It is so critical right now because we see, you know, there's been all sorts of studies done on the value of women and men working together in corporate America, in the marketplace, in different places out in the world. Our next generations of children are now being raised up to see, you know, that model and seeing women in leadership, yep. seeing men in re- leadership and the, the, the shared leadership. And yep. so the church is desperately in need. I mean, talk about where do we find lavish hope? We need this right now in order yep. to be able to get all hands on deck. Yep. Um, in, in the history of the Reformed Church in America, where I serve, we have been ordaining women for 40 years in as ministers of word and sacrament, 45 years um, plus, actually, as... Um, yeah, we're getting close to 45 years for <laughs> ministers and then almost 50 years for elders and deacons. Time passes, doesn't it? But mm-hmm. um yep. but but so it's been it's been a good amount of time in the grand scheme of of mainline Protestantism in the United States. And um and what we've seen though is that uh there is history there where women were not able to, and mm-hmm. that value, as as you said, being intentional about helping congregations to to thoughtfully 
um, process, both from the biblical perspective and then from the practical um, perspective. And um, historically, women were able to go as missionaries and go mm-hmm. preach and teach and be the evangelists and, you know, mm-hmm. be like the woman at the well and yeah, go tell. Right. Uh, but then here stateside, they couldn't. And so that, right. you know, that started to change for us 40 years ago. And, you know, there's other denominations, other churches that are still in the process of becoming. Sure. But we believe that, right? That that like, it's all hands on deck. The whole world is a mission field. You don't yeah. have to go overseas, as they say, to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's such an encouragement for us today to have this book as a resource um, and you as a resource, Rob. I mean, you are Lavish Hope incarnate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's not go too far. I know, I mean, I, I'm I, pushing the buttons. Let me let me not push the buttons. Um, so, I, can, I can be Hope, maybe not Lavish Hope. Okay. I'll just be Hope okay. incarnate. Okay. How about that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> For me, it's Lavish. Um, so Rob, let me just ask you this then. So what yep. is your hope of where this is like, what is your hope of like the best thing that could happen with this book now that it's been published and it's, you know, going to go into circulation, people are going to be able to use it as a resource. What is your hope for what's going to happen next? Well, it's, I mean, <laughs> I, I want to change the church, Liz. I mean, this is, so this is, I'm going to start big and I'll, I'll move uh, smaller, but I, I just, and this is lavish hope probably is I want to see the church become all that God means it to be. I mean, what you said is right. Corporate America is ahead of the church with this value for diversity. It shouldn't be that way. The value for diversity finds its first expression in Genesis chapter one, where God says to the man and woman, have dominion, exercise dominion over creation, right? That was God's idea in the first place. And so the church should become a leader in, in diversity issues, I think. I mean, we should be setting the conversation. We should be setting the pace for that. Um, and so I, I would love to see the church embody that Genesis 1, and it's been it's reaffirmed in the scriptures all the way through, that Genesis 1 vision for women and men in full and equal partnership. And again, I think if we do that, we will see God's mission, which is so vast, holistic, uh, impossible for one person to do accomplish on another we will see god's mission expand in greater measure and that's that's the driver for me I and mean, there's a lot of drivers but that's one of that's the main one i think is can we see god's mission grow i believe we can if we can figure out how to partner together as women and men more effectively amen amen that's it and you know it's also about us being able to be in partnership in healthy holistic ways right yes, yes. And I think that in recent time with the Me Too and the Church Too movement and all these things, there's there's a lot of pressure, right, on on men and women being able to work together. And and we want it to be godly. We want it to be gracious. We want it to be um, healthy in in the way that God intends. And I think that's, you know, when you've come and you've done things, uh, come and taught and offered your thoughts to um, different um, ministry events that we've held that's what I love is that you really paint that picture and you make it very accessible, Rob. And I think that's also part of your being in college ministry, campus ministry, you call it, right? Yeah, yeah. There's so many yeah. years, like, you know how to talk. You talk, <laughs> it's like real talk, right? <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, well, and you it, break it down. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and one of, one of the things I'm realizing, even with the college students of today, so call them Gen Z or whatever you want to call them, um, I think there's a predisposition, Liz, to to partnership and to, to diversity, a diverse community. There's like a bias in the culture of Gen Z that is so open to these things. I mean, 
my kids who are Gen Z, they hear what I'm doing and they say, why is that even an issue? Of course, we would work together as women and men. So for me, my job with Gen Z, I think, is to help them understand that their value that they have internally in their culture is biblical and to help them express that well, like you said, uh, effectively and safely and in a way that honors God, right? And so um, I think when I think about the church and where we're at right now, we should really work on this because the next generation is eager, is thirsty to see partnership become our reality. Right. And so we want to be available. We want to be ready, like a surfer waiting for a wave. We want to be ready for Gen Z to come and we want to help them do this effectively. But they are coming with energy around this. Right. So, yeah. Awesome. I love it. Well, Rob, thanks so much for stopping by the podcast today. I know you're exhausted. Yeah. It's been a long week for you of all these different <laughs> launch events and everything. So, yes, so thanks yes. for making time for me and for our listeners. And just tell us quickly, how did they um, access? together in ministry is there a website that uh, we can point folks to yeah we can put it in the show notes maybe we can uh, people can find together in ministry on amazon or um you can go to the publisher's website and that's intervarsity press ivpress.com and, f- and ser- search together in ministry and you'll find it there um, if people want to track with me online uh, they can go to my let me just set the bar really low liz my <laughs> in process website which is dr dr Rob Dixon, D-I-X-O-N dot com, Dr. Rob Dixon dot com. And people can sign up for a monthly newsletter there. And uh, if they want to reach out, there's my email and contact information as well. Excellent. I know many will want to do that. Well, yeah, Dr. Dixon, so. thank you so much for stopping by the podcast and for sharing your um, uh, your thoughts, your stories on Lavish Hope, Resilience and Overcoming. It's been awesome to have you with us today. Sister, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening. I hope this episode has brought you one step closer to consider what lavish hope, resilience, and overcoming mean for you and your own life and calling. You can connect with Rob on social via his newly created website, drrobdixon.com. That's D-R-R-O-B-D-I-X-O-N.com. And you can order his new book at ivpress.com slash together in ministry. You can also learn more about our We Are Speaking statement at rca.org front slash women. If you enjoyed this Lavish Hope podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and reshare any place you're on social. You can also connect with me directly at ltesta at rca.org. I'd love to hear from you. This episode is brought to you by faithword.org, an online learning community where you'll find ideas for living out your faith, reflections on scripture and church, stories about how other Christians are following God's call, and resources to bring your own church or organization along for the ride. The Lavish Hope Podcast is produced by Anna Radcliffe with assistant production by Lorraine Parker, sound design by Garrett Steyer, and web support by Grace Reuter and Barb Ellis.